0: h-e-l-p slash sober. Tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant I'm Jill, and this is the Silver Powered Podcast. I'll tell you how I finally stopped chasing the buzz and what I've learned along the way. <laughs> Welcome to the Silver Powered Podcast. This is the first episode. I'm your host, Jill. I created this podcast to talk about the reasons that. I decided to quit drinking, how I finally embraced sobriety and stopped chasing moderation and to discuss all the things that I've learned in my sobriety journey. So I have a master's in biology. So when I talk about something like alcohol cravings or anxiety, I will also explain to you what's going on in our brains that make these things occur. I think so many of us are living in denial about our drinking. We will come to the conclusion, I am not an alcoholic because, and then list out a ton of reasons why our drinking isn't that bad. And what I want you guys to understand is you don't have to be the worst drinker in the whole world. You don't have to look like you know, whatever is in your mind that defines an alcoholic. Um, You don't even have to call yourself an alcoholic to want to quit. All you have to do is realize that maybe alcohol is contributing more negatives to your life than positives. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened for me. So I got my master's degree while I was drinking. Um, I graduated early even with a 3.9 GPA, all while I was drinking every single day. I never lost a job or became homeless and moved under my local bridge. I don't have a DUI, thank goodness. Um, So nothing that is very characteristic for society's idea of an alcoholic had happened to me. But what was happening is all of my damage from my drinking was internal. So I didn't hurt people or destroy relationships or destroy my job or destroy other people's perceptions of me. I destroyed my own mental health with my drinking. I've always suffered with depression and alcohol progressively made it a lot worse. So I started knowing um, my depression was getting worse about three years into my drinking when I was 25. So I didn't start drinking until I was 22, by the way. So when I was 25, I noticed that my mental health was really suffering. And by the time I was 28, I developed anxiety, which I had never had before. And my depression was very debilitating at this point. I suffered with really bad anxiety attacks on nights that I would drink too much. Um, and I just wouldn't sleep. I would maybe get a couple hours of sleep and then that wine shame jolt would wake me up in the middle of the night and I would fight off anxiety attacks and think really shameful, horrible thoughts for the whole night until the morning. So by the time I quit, I was so sleep deprived and crazy. I was just desperate. Um, So I'll talk more about my quitting in future episodes. But I wanted you to know that you don't have to be horrible. You don't have to be the worst drinker ever. You don't have to destroy your life to think that maybe sober life would be better for you. Sober life is the best freaking life. And that is what I hope you learn from listening to this podcast. There's nothing shameful or wrong about not being someone who can drink alcohol. There's nothing wrong with that. My my whole drinking journey was about chasing moderation. So... Right from the very first time I really drank at twenty two, I was an immediate mess. I was constantly overdoing it. I was always getting drunk accidentally. I never planned on it. I only ever wanted to moderate. And for some reason I couldn't figure it out. I don't have that that voice inside my mind that says like, Hey Jill, this is good. You have had enough. You have to work tomorrow. This is not a good choice. Let's be done my voice in my mind says like, one more, let's have one more. This was fun, but five drinks is going to be even more fun. And that's just what I saw for all seven years of my drinking. Um, I wanted so desperately to learn how to be a normal drinker, and I couldn't. And one day after five years of pursuing moderation, I decided to give up that quest and accept I am not someone who can drink. And in this acceptance, I actually found a lot of peace and it it has made adjusting to sobriety a lot easier for me um, than the other times I've tried it. I accepted that I am just not someone who can drink alcohol and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's very normal actually. Um, and I hope this podcast shows you how normal and okay it is. I think a big reason that I stayed drinking for so long was because of the shame. I was so ashamed that I couldn't figure it out, that I was always such a mess and always accidentally getting drunk, that it just kept me down there. There's so many people that are like me. And a lot of us that can't drink Think the same way. We were all obsessed with alcohol. We, most of us, tried to moderate and couldn't. So you'll find that you are really not alone, and and that's what I hope that you understand is you are not alone, and there's nothing wrong with you. So about the podcast, um, it's mostly going to be me talking either about myself, um, my drinking, my experiences in sobriety, research I've done on the science of alcohol addiction. I will occasionally chat with some of my friends in the sober community. I have really cool friends um, that I think you will all enjoy meeting and learning about their stories and, you know, how sobriety has been for them. So those are my main ideas for the Sober Powered Podcast. I want to switch gears and I want to talk more about anxiety. So I mentioned earlier a little bit about my story and the main contributor for me quitting drinking was poor mental health. And the reason that my mental health was so bad was from the drinking. So drinking actually changes the brain so the brain gets used to the presence of alcohol and it adjusts the levels of some of the neurotransmitters in the brain to compensate for this so neurotransmitters are little chemicals that allow brain cells or neurons to talk to each other so If you can picture a brain cell in your mind, they are long, skinny cells, and they have a few parts. So there's the main um, cell body, and all around the cell body are these little branches called dendrites. And these branches are what receive communication from other neurons, and then they transmit it to the main part of the cell, the cell body. So... The cell body is able to, you know, do a lot of things. And most importantly, it can generate electrical signals to communicate with other neurons. So it generates an electrical signal, which it transmits down the length of it. It's called the axon. You can think of it like a long wire that is sending a signal from the cell body to the very end of the cell. And once the signal reaches the end of the cell, it triggers the release of neurotransmitters, which then go off and communicate with the next neuron in the pathway, binding to its dendrites and transmitting the signal to its cell body. So the process begins again. So this is how neurons communicate with each other. So there are a couple of important neurotransmitters that I want to talk about in relation to alcohol. So GABA is the main inhibitory neurotransmitter in the brain. So this is responsible for like calming us down and dampening brain activity. And the other version of this is glutamate, which is the um, main excitatory neurotransmitter. So that, that like brings us up. So since neurons are constantly communicating and exciting each other, overstimulation can cause problems like epilepsy. So this is why GABA is important. Um, It tells the brain to, you know, slow down, relax. So GABA causes a reduction of anxiety and too much GABA would lead to something like a coma. What alcohol does in the brain is it binds to GABA receptors and it causes a calming feeling. So that's why we drink to relax. So something I learned in my drinking very early on was when you're stressed, you drink and then the stress goes away. And because I had so much stress, I just started drinking every day and alcohol would calm me down. So that's because it was stimulating GABA, which results in inhibiting, you know, the communication between neurons and it it produces a calming feeling. The bad thing about this is with a lot of alcohol presence in the brain, your brain adapts. So there's something called GABA adaptation. So your brain is going to reduce the amount of GABA receptors to try to compensate for all the alcohol in your brain that's binding to them and promoting calming feeling. So it's going to reduce the ability to get um, that same calming feeling. So we have to drink more to have the same response. So with this GABA adaptation, when you are not drinking, you become anxious and agitated. Um, so this is a main reason that when people quit and they have you know massive anxiety as a result they will drink again to relieve it because drinking stimulates gaba and it makes you feel calm but what you're really doing is you're causing more anxiety and that's what i saw in myself my anxiety first i never even had it so i've never suffered with anxiety my whole life and then all of a sudden at 28 six years into my drinking, I developed massive anxiety that only got worse and worse and worse. And the nights that I drank the most were the nights that I suffered the most when alcohol started wearing off. I felt absolutely crazy. So before, I would be awake all night long, going nuts, fighting off anxiety attacks. I wouldn't sleep. And afterwards, I, I don't have anxiety attacks. So I've gone back to kind of how I was before. Like I really don't have much anxiety. When I do feel anxiety, I feel um, I feel like a little nervous. Um, so I'm almost eight months sober and I haven't had a single anxiety issue in that entire time. I have not been up all night fighting off anxiety. I don't wake up with that jolt in the middle of the night anymore. And I saw this really happen right away. So the way that you respond to quitting drinking is going to be different for everybody, you know, based on how your brain has adapted to alcohol, based on how much you drank and for how long. But I saw an immediate improvement in my anxiety and it stayed that way consistently for eight months. Some people will have, um, they'll have increased anxiety in the beginning and then without the presence of alcohol, your brain can adapt back before. So right now, it's just expecting A constant flood of alcohol to be stimulating certain things that wouldn't normally be stimulated in that way. And that's why the brain chemistry changes. But as you show it, like, no, alcohol is not hanging around here anymore. The brain chemistry will adapt to that in a positive way. And it will start to go back to normal. So I hope that was helpful for you. I hope that makes sense. Um, There are other neurotransmitters that come into play here you know, with anxiety and also with depression that I can talk about at a later time. But I just wanted to provide some education on why you feel so anxious and horrible um, when the alcohol wears off or when you decide to try to quit. So if you are feeling very anxious and it's making it difficult to quit drinking, I would definitely reach out to your doctor, um, talk to them, tell them what's going on. I'm sure they can help you in some way. I really hope that you liked the first episode of the Sober Powered Podcast. Um, You can follow me on Instagram. If you have anything that you want to learn about, you want me to talk about, feel free to shoot me a message over there and let me know. I would really appreciate if you could um, like, subscribe, and review this podcast so that we can get the message out there. I want everyone to know there's nothing wrong with you and you are not alone. That is the purpose for me creating this whole podcast. Um, So I really appreciate you guys and I will talk to you next week.